Live from Sombertown, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Welcome, folks, to uh, episode 114 of Derailed Trains of Thought. Merry Christmas, Nick. Merry Christmas, Tim. Although, don't say that too loud. Uh, I, I hear that's against the the rules around yeah, here. Yeah, they don't. They're not very cheery here. I guess it's appropriately named. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all kind of everyone's in kind of subdued colors. The kids seem to be really happy about something, but even they are kind of like talking about something in hushed tones yeah, over there. I, yeah, there's something going down behind the scenes. It's, it's really interesting. They're all carrying their socks around like they. Well, they're carrying about? something in their in their stockings. I don't know what. Yeah, know. and there's some weird leader. Yeah, mayor or burgermeister or something. Meister burger. I'm a little confused. But okay. anyway, it's an interesting location. Um, hopefully, they'll get some uh, holiday cheer here. Did it, it, it help? I think it, it, it would help. It would help. But welcome, folks. This is time for our December podcast of your premiere podcast on storytelling for the creator and the consumer. Derailed trains of thought. That's us. It's a good thing we did, we haven't forgotten who we are. Yes. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> Thankfully, we haven't had, had to deal with amnesia yet. Oh, that's a good story school topic right there. Um, you never know. If, if we can remember. If we ever wind up in... Um, Storybrook. There's a better chance than not that at some point we will uh, yes. have to deal with it. <laughs> have we not been to Storybrook yet, huh? Well, you know what? We, we didn't go gold. to Mr. Gold. We, we went to Mr. Gold's but, pawn but shop. But Amnesia doesn't hit there very hard. Not true. He's got some magic spells like protecting against it, I guess. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> how, how was your Thanksgiving, Nick? It was very good. It was very good. It was uh, birthday palooza at our house because it was in that same week as Thanksgiving, my son's birthday, my nephew's birthday and my birthday. So it's like just a week of special days. So well, ha- nice. Happy birthday, Nick. Oh, thank you. You're an old man. Yeah, I, I have a cane and I ha- and a hunchback at this point. Well, I, I can't complain because I'm I'm uh, only a few years behind turning the big 4-0 myself. Now it's not too bad. So it feels okay? It feels okay, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we are well into middle age and I feel that more regularly. <laughs> are we? Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say no. Okay, we'll say <laughs> we'll we'll say no. We're young. Not at, today. I'm not. We're young at heart. Yes, right, exactly. at the very least. <laughs> well, anyway, we are here for the podcast, and that means it's time for story school. For story school today, we've got a topic that goes in the category of creator angst. Ooh, I feel fun. like if you remember our 10th anniversary episode where we talked about all our categories. So it's a bit meatier of a topic maybe than we typically do in December. But since Christmas is a season of giving, yes, I thought it might be appropriate to talk about the generosity of creativity. Now, I have an idea of what I mean by this. Yeah, what, I was going to ask you. To give me your definition, Tim. <laughs> It's kind of a big idea, so we'll we'll see how well I can kind of uh, encapsulate some of the stuff. I remember first thinking about this when I was reading a book called Make Art, Make Money, um, which was a book basically about using Jim Henson, big surpriser, as an example for an artist who really made the dance, walked the line between being commercial and having, you know, making your art your own. Yes. Yeah, because he, it, the Muppets are very Henson. Right. But he was also wildly popular. Yes. In the introduction to this book, the author, who her name is Elizabeth Hyde Stevens, 
she references another book, which, and she'll go on throughout the book to kind of reference a lot, called The Gift, Creativity and the Artist in the Modern World by Lewis Hyde, who I guess is from Harvard, our Harvard professor. And the whole idea, at least some of the ideas she pulls a lot from it a lot, is that art is a gift. Not, and usually when we say that, we mean an artist is a gifted person. Yeah. But some of the best art is also a gift to the world. The idea that you are saying something through your art as an expression, sometimes something that comes from very deep within you. And in order to give that, or in order to make that, express that, it feels something very personal, almost like you're giving your audience and something. And as a benefit, it's, a, it's something that the world enjoys and grow or take from, I assume you're meaning. Right, yeah, yeah. In the book, she goes on to talk about the tricky thing with art then is that if you are selling your story or your your artwork, basically, then it, it starts feeling less like a gift and more like a product. That's true. But, of course, artists have to make a living, and so mm-hmm. there's a give and take here. And so the whole book is kind of an exploring about the tension between those things. But I've been thinking about this more recently and trying to figure out where... Am I going to wind up, you know, I've been working in a law firm for the last several years, but especially now that I'm married, got Mm -hmm. one life, you know, major life moment accomplished. I've kind of been like feeling this pull to like, okay, but when am I going to get back into something where my creative urges are a more natural part of my actual day job? Mm -hmm. Sorry, this this is a slight uh, sidetrack, but with the idea of it being a gift reminds me of this story of my mom's. Okay. Where she wrote, when, I don't know, I was probably a teenager, she wrote, she wrote this poem, and she used to write poems that we would perform at different contests and stuff. The whole family, like me, Zach, and Summer especially, and then Haley, when she came along, we'd memorize them and perform them at different school functions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then she made a book of one of them, like it was just one of the books, and she got someone to do the illustrations and self-published it. And afterwards, she felt like horribly self-conscious, like, well, this is dumb, and why did I do this, everything. And Mr. Monk, who was... The theater producer at East Noble, who we've talked about East Noble before, makes these great... He was a great theater guy, and the East Noble High School theater program was way higher quality than it had any right to be. Yes. <laughs> but she, he, I don't know how she mentioned this to him, and he's like, no, you created something. This is a great thing. It's what, you know, anytime someone makes something, it's a great thing. And was, I think, really encouraging to her. And I think that was that's always stuck with me, that idea that... I've taught this with writing students sometimes, you know, middle school especially. I'm like, no, you guys, anytime you write a story, this is a, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Sometimes later on, they'll be like, oh, I can't believe you read that. It was so dumb. Like say Brianna, who was in my writing class. She's like, I can't <laughs> believe I showed you that. I'm like, no, it was great. You were making stuff and doing stuff. And yeah, you're going to get better as you get older. But at least from someone who's helped other people be creative, it's, it's certainly, I think, a gift to just see what, that people can make a thing. Yeah, and that really is, like I said, the tension here, because on the one hand, you want everything you do to be productive mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, but on the other hand, like there is value in just self-expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this concept of it being a gift is tricky in one way, because, well, let's kind of define giving a gift real quick. Okay. Ideally, when you're shopping for a Christmas gift, it's not just, oh, I got to get this done because they expect me to give them something. 
when you're doing it the best, you're thinking about another person. It's an overflow. It's an overflow. It's something that you want to bless another person with. You know, mm-hmm. some people, their love language is giving and yeah. receiving yeah. gifts. And they put a lot of thought into what's something that this other person is going to enjoy. I feel like this is a part of arts in that varies depending somewhat to a degree on what kind of art you're making. Mm-hmm. Like we were very cognizant whenever I've been in a play, for instance. Yes. It is very participatory. It is very participatory. You are you're facing an audience, you're gonna be projecting toward an audience, you need to articulate uh, your pronunciations yes. for an audience. What was uh, I saying? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I lost my train. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're always cognizant of you are doing this for an audience. And and for a Christian, that's also especially important because you don't want your performance to be about yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to give into the pride. You want to be like, we have people that are coming for an evening at the theater. We want to be able to give them this special experience. And I think authors, you know, have that in mind too sometimes. Now, there's also the art that's like, I have something to say and I really need to get this out on paper yeah. or something like that. And you're not necessarily, the audience's needs aren't necessarily forefront in your mind. And, yeah. And, and this is hard because like, I've even actually been thinking about this on my own that I have trouble. I'm probably mentioned this on this podcast before. Like I like, you know, I feel like I should write that there's something I can say and whatever. This is part of why I became a writer. There's this whole idea. Have I said this on podcast? I have ages ago. That it bears repeating. It bears repeating after a hundred some episodes. That I became a writer partly because I had this sort of, I guess, calling based on this passage in The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis where it says, they're talking to painting artists. It says, like, look, the reason people liked your painting so well is because you got in, captured in the light a bit of heaven and you communicate that truth to other people. And I'm like, I think I had stuff I could communicate to other people that was true. My problem, I think, is that I really can't convince myself that anyone actually, that I can write things that I think are important. I have a hard time thinking anyone cares or that, like, I can't sell it like a product. That's very complicated for me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, maybe it's just self, maybe it's just, you know, not interesting or I don't know. It's like, I, I think if a writer or any sort of artist can view their self as a gift in a way, not that like, look how great I am, feast upon my art. Right. Um, but like, no, this is something I've been given that I want to share. I think that frees them up to do all sorts of things, both in like properly telling people about it and properly forming it. But I have a hard time personally finding that balance. Yeah, it's really hard because, yeah, you have to have a confidence in not just your talent. I mean, obviously you want to work hard and so that's... And get better at it. And and get better at it and things like that. So it's like... You have to have a certain amount of self-confidence in that this is something worth saying and this is in a format that I think people will enjoy. I mean, it can be scary sometimes when you are giving a presence that you don't know how the other person is going to take it. You want them to like it, Mm -hmm. but you may, you can work really hard at it and they'll be like, okay, yeah, thanks. Yep. And that's, that's kind of the worst sort of reaction. Well, it's just, if you watch Babe... Oh, the pig, the pig movie? movie? It's a long time ago. Okay, there's just a scene there where, like, the grandfather who owns the pig makes this giant, wonderful dollhouse for, like, his grandkid, and she just hates it. It's just like, oh, that just got me. You know, that sort of mm. feeling. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a very tricky balance that the artist has to has to walk, I think. Having the courage to put something out, thinking, hoping that another person will like it, but at the same time having to stay true to what the art wants to be. 
And I, I don't know, maybe I'll throw this in here and see if it applies or not. I remember interviewing an author, a writer, I don't, I don't remember who wrote fiction or nonfiction, in college for one of my classes. His main point in our conversation was that you have to write for the audience of one, that you're writing for God, and then the rest of it follows one way or another or not, depending on... And how do you think that applies? to? I mean, is for a Christian, is the gift first and foremost to God and then to other people? And is that something we should be conscious of, or is that just theology and doesn't come quite into play in every day? Well, <laughs> it, it's kind of, in, in some ways, I think it's very similar to the same sort of tension between the first and second commandment. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. So, obviously, God's love is supposed to come first, but there is love for for each other. And well, I think I think art can serve a similar function. Yeah. I mean, again, that was something we would also talk about um, when preparing to do a play and whether at when I was at Taylor or working with All for One, we did want to bring God glory and mm-hmm. how we were using our gifts in some way. Well, like Baco was wrote at the end of all his pieces. Um, what's the official Latin? I don't uh, know, but basically it's God be the glory. I'm sure Janelle could, t- yeah. could say it. Um, in Gloria Deo, or maybe... Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. But speaking of Latin... <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm that's trying, not, I'll be here every day. I'm trying to think if, I, if this will fit in now or if I should save it for later, but... I'll go for it now because we've been talking about this in the big picture. I was just listening to a podcast today, The Habit, which is related to uh, The Rabbit Room. Okay. The Andrew Peterson's mm-hmm. creative community online. Yeah. The podcast host was saying about something about the word amateur. Okay. And he, he said, an amateur is literally someone who's doing something out of love instead of for money. Oh, Because I like that. amateur has, you know, the root is kind of similar to amour. Okay. And that makes sense. You know, it has love built into it. So it's like, I thought, that's a kind of a neat idea. Um, there's something noble about even being an amateur, doing something that you love just for the love. And, and, that's, and that's what's kind of, I guess, confused in this culture is that because there's so many ways for amateurs to find, or maybe not even find an audience, but the possibilities laid out there yeah. that they can get an audience, mm-hmm. that we, we have almost created this either your success being artist or not based on how monetarily or how popular you are, which I think distorts maybe for some people what their gifts maybe are meant for, mm-hmm. besides being just a popularity contest or a product. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, the problem is certainly exacerbated yes. by internet culture. I think the tension has always been there. To I would agree. I remember talking with our friend John Baylor about... Uh, some creative project that he was doing or looking into, and something he had he had commented that his grandfather or some fa- older family member he really respected really emphasized to him the importance of if you're going to spend a long time doing something, don't do it for free. Uh, mm. The idea that you need to be, you know, if you're going to be invested in something, yeah. find a way to be compensated for it. And so, and John wound up doing that with his music. He did, yes. He's the only guy I've ever heard of that. At least for a while, I don't know how he's doing these days. I need to, I need to reach out and see to how he's doing in the this uh, year of COVID. Oh yeah, but for for a time he was making a living playing music at nursing homes, mm-hmm. which I didn't know you could do that. But apparently that's where he was getting gigs for, and he he plays a lot of folk music. But that was just an interesting thing, and and ties into some of the challenges I remember we had with Children of the Wells. Yeah, when we wanted to get other authors to do this fun web fiction project together, but 
writing a novella is a lot of work. Yeah. And if you're not guaranteed of a profit with these people, mm-hmm. which, you know, we, we've sold some ebooks, books it's not, not, it's, not it's like, no, it's nothing spectacular. We, we were just really writing children to wells for the fun. And honestly, that's what this podcast is for. We, yeah. We've never intended at all to make any kind of money on it. That's why we play things. It's for the love are, of it. It's for the love of it. It's why we've, we've, played things that like some you know borderline copyright music a lot of times yep. but without being too concerned about it because we're not making any money out of it we never plan to make any money about it but at the same time you know every now and then you think well if we got this a little bit bigger it might help yeah. with some other things down the road you know, you know so it, it, that's the weird thing about the internet commodities like you feel like one thing is going to lead to something else mm-hmm. something else and it and, can't and it and you can always find stores where it has yeah yeah and you always think, well, maybe if we just did things more different, it could, and it might. And I don't know. I've never tried hard enough. <laughs> um, you know what? This generosity of creativity just reminds me, I'm always a little amazed by slash jealous of these people who just love doing this single thing. Like my grandpa, after he retired, he would just go, he just woodworked. And he just would make canes or he'd make little creatures or whatever. And he just... Just did it because it was and it was cool, and he just gave them away because he just wanted to. I saw in the world, uh, World Watch News, this guy because of COVID and he was home. He made a little tiny roller coaster in his backyard, <laughs> based on the uh, Himalayan ride or whatever it is in Disney World. Okay, you know, there's people who like go around and like they just repair, they like just work on organs because it's great. I mean, I love it because one, it shows you all the different things people love to do, mm-hmm. and two. It makes me happy to see people love making things wherever weird thing it is, you know, just because. I mean, there's something I think admirable, I mean, assuming the rest of your life is, you know, you're not like spending time you shouldn't, doing these sorts of, you know, being super interested in something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's, you know, we come from the, like the... The podcast, the media, the the story book world a yeah. lot, but uh, yeah, a lot of these ideas of creativity. The the grandmother who loves crocheting things, mm-hmm. you know, blankets or or what have you for for kids and all her grandkids. Or I remember on, on the World Podcast not too long ago, there was like this group of older ladies who would meet and do that for. I think they'd send it to like um, I want to say orphanages or foster care communities, you know. When it happened, they do this a lot in little towns and cities now. Like in Kenneville, they just recently, like, there's just blank sided buildings. They got people to go paint murals and things. And it's, mm-hmm. and suddenly life is just better with art. Yeah. It just is. It's true. And it's, again, it's a gift. You're giving something to the community that, and that's the beauty about gifts in some ways. I mean, one thing about this, this book, Make Art, Make Money. In certain parts, it feels a little bit, a little bit harsh on capitalism. Oh, yeah. um, which I think capitalism is a very useful system. Yes, but the great thing about, and I think it, and I think it reflects what's in the Bible about, you know, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. But it can be, it can be abused. Yeah, it can yeah. be, and it can be abused, and you know, and there's, there's certainly sections, you know, God made laws about personal possessions, yeah. and that seems yeah. there's value in that. But there's also one reason why the gift becomes kind of a miracle because mm-hmm. it's like this exception, this special thing. It's It falls outside the normal give and take of the world. Right. Because everyone runs by the give and take. You did this, I did this. The worst gifts are the ones given because it's, uh, it's a transaction. 
Mm. Where it's not really a gift, there's strings attached. Nietzsche, um, oddly, that bring Nietzsche into this, but he viewed revenge and gratitude as similar. Oh, in, interesting. In the sense that revenge is like when someone hurts you, you need to hurt them back. But if someone gives you something, you're in their debt and you have to oh. take care of that or they have power over you. Oh, Everything okay. was about power and will and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I'm like, that's a really cynical way of looking at the world. But also, I don't think it's out of whack with how some people do look at, uh-huh. you know, like, uh-oh, I better pony up because they did. Right. You know, oh, I, I borrowed a cup of milk. I better make sure that I recompensate them for it. Right. Which is against the idea of freely givenness. Well, I mean, it, it goes all the way deep into, you know, it's a bad tendency even for Christians. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Christ saved me. He redeemed me. I need to, that means I need to repay him i need to do this mm-hmm. out of out of this but bottom line salvation is a gift i know and th- there's nothing we can do to earn it that's and, why it's a gift and th- that's in some ways the hardest thing about christianity you would think it'd be the easiest thing that is a gift but in <laughs> yeah. many ways it's the hardest uh-huh and i think you're right this the idea that creativity is a gift is a miracle mm-hmm. that if we can if we can actually use it like that and not to not to have power over people or to satisfy your ego or fill in the blank yeah and I think there are ways that the artist can can walk this line. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I know a friend of mine I know from. Did I ever tell you? Well, I've probably told you. I don't remember if ever been on the podcast before. In high school, I was involved with a clown ministry for a little while. Okay, vaguely remember this. I don't think it's been on the podcast. Yeah, it was at a time I was just looking for something to be connected to anything, um, and. I do think it's quite a shame, unfortunately, that nowadays people expect you to be afraid of clowns, <laughs> yeah. which is so ironic to me because, like, when I was little, I was scared of aliens, and when folks tried to show, show me Star Wars before I was ready, I was like, uh-uh, no way. But I was never scared of clowns because, I guess, Happy the Hobo. Yeah, or, Happy the Hobo around here was, yeah, yeah. and Bozo the Clown was on TV, so it never bothered me. So, anyway, this clown ministry I got involved with for about a year or so, and we'd go to nursing homes and you know, cheer up the residents and things like that. But there is this one family that I knew, uh, particularly a husband and wife, that they they just fell in love with doing this clown ministry, and they've done it for many years since. Uh, the trick is that it's also a rather expensive hobby because mm. the makeup and, yeah. and all this other kind of stuff. So one thing they have to do sometimes is they to earn money for it, they'll do uh, like company picnics or carnivals or something, making balloon animals and face painting and stuff yeah. like that. And basically that helps support their volunteer ministry, yeah. which for them, it's a creative outlet for sure, but it's also a ministry, but they have to support it somehow. Yep. So yeah, there are these things you can do. And it's like, in order to give the gift, you have to be able to put in the work in order to... to yeah, you either, it either needs to be funded by yourself or by someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, either time or money, you're filling the blank. But at the same time, I don't feel like that takes away completely from the miracle of we're giving this. I get to go to yeah. a nursing home and make these people's lives better. Oh, yeah. I don't think... Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. And especially you give what you can, can and then, you know, people out of thankfulness give it back to you, not this... It, you can keep it from being transactional, yeah. I think. Yeah. If depending on your, you know, your attitude and stuff. And I think that's probably at its best that you do something that's worthwhile and people thankfully then give you something to help so that we can keep the circle, you know, so that you add to their lives and they want to help you keep adding to people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the idea that there's not there doesn't have to be a limited economy of oh I get this, you get you, yeah. know, you give me that. Somehow the miracle of a gift is like you're giving something to someone else that 
they didn't earn, they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't. So yeah, we're we're getting into lots of philosophy that's kind of outside of storytelling. But the, I think the idea here is that storytellers are creatives, they're artists, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting to rethink some of the boxes we put around these things and try to think, well, what's how can I give to and and obviously even in the products that you make, whether you're commissioned or you're making it like when I was working for the church, I wanted to make those products as beautiful for the congregation as, as yeah possible. you're not making it for the money you're making it for doing it well and they're paying yeah and there's still amount of giving in there even yeah. though i mean it's even though you were hired to do a certain thing well, but. well and i think it's okay just to, i know you're trying to pull back from the philosophy but real quick is that we talk about well you know, the philosophy undergirds all this so but the you know the christianity thing yeah we're not supposed to be like oh we oh god but because he's given us this gift salvation then we want to do good works yeah, I mean, it can look the same both ways. You're doing good works either because you think you owe them or because you want to. Mm-hmm. But there's still this, and it's really your attitude versus versus an obligation. Yeah, an obligation. Whether yeah. your attitude is like, oh, I'm obliged to do this now. Thanks a lot. Okay. Or, oh, thank you for doing that. I'll give you. And again, a lot of the transactions of small artists on, say, on the internet are this. Like, oh, I love you. I'll give you money for your disc. Uh-huh. You don't feel like you're buying a disc. You feel like you're supporting the artists who keep making stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, Maze Dudes, um, we mentioned last time, Kickstarter did not succeed. Mm-hmm. But he said, hey, he's going to do it anyways. He'll just do it smaller. And I had pledged to the Kickstarter. And I'm like, well, I'll take that and I'll throw it to his pre-order thing. Because <laughs> I like his music. I sure. always pay for more music from Maze Dude. Mm-hmm. And he'd do it anyways. But, you know, that's something. I'm not buying the CD. I mean, I'll get the CD. But I'm buying Maze Dude keep making cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And, there's, and the internet's actually made that almost easier. That's true. It's a lot easier to become a patron of something in, in a lot of ways. I'm a patron of OC Remix because <laughs> 10 plus years of enjoying everything they've ever done. I'm like, I want to do give something. It's like a dollar a month, but it's still, right. it's something <laughs> for free music. Uh-huh. You know, this is all reminding me of uh, in Full Metal Alchemist. There's this whole, whole idea of equivalent oh, yeah. exchange until the end, which is yeah, yeah which is, until the very end. Like it's the main character is fo- so focused on like if you want to get something, you have to give up something else in return. And they they deal with this. This is their core philosophy throughout most of their entire lives. Yeah. And and it's interesting. The author, the manga artist, she I think she came from like a rural farming background, and so. A lot of these ideas about hard work are really distilled into her, and it comes out call in, the wild sort of stuff. Story, yeah, basically. But yeah, toward the end, the the love interest is like, forget it, equivalent. Like, I'll I'll just give you hundred percent, hundred percent of this and all this stuff, and it kind of flips the main character. He's like, kind of flips his whole his whole philosophy on his head in like a moment, and it just he just has to break down laughing at how absurdly simple it is. And and so you know, if you're a storyteller of any sort, audio. You write it out, you draw pictures, you know, keep doing it. This is good stuff. You're, you know, you are adding beauty to the world and the people's lives around you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe revealing truth they didn't know. Another thing from uh, the Habit podcast I really liked, and also remember that your art is really not about you. Mm-hmm. They were pointing out how really when you're writing, in some ways, you want to disappear as much as possible and just let the reader experience. The ideas, like almost as if they're in a dream of like experiencing this story for themselves, and you don't don't really want the the reader to be like, oh, look at this clever sentence he just wrote. This is in some ways why I feel much more comfortable writing fiction. Like I thought about in my blog going back and doing some blogging, and I did one for birthday. But I'm always a little tentative about writing blogs because it's inherently I oriented in some mm-hmm. ways, 
And again, I don't think there's anything bad with that. I, I think I read all you know, kinds of blogs, but as I was approaching it myself, I'm like, okay, how do I do this in such a way so it's not just like, it's not about me necessarily. It's about some idea. It's about some... Something more universal. Universal, yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun struggle. It is. <laughs> I'm not sure fun is... Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Yes, there you go. No, but I think it's, I think it's, it's a, a worthwhile struggle. It is a worthwhile that. struggle. And it is... It's a gift. Artists are always, you know, obsessing over, I've been given this talent, this thing. And honestly, everyone has been given yeah, a, a yeah, talent. I, of yeah, some artists sort. tend to be a little uppity sometimes about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, and the, the beautiful thing about it is being able to take that and keep giving it away. Yeah. In whatever way and whatever level you have it at. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's to the whole world or to people next door. So anyway, there's some food for thought for you this uh, that we like to we thought we'd share with you this uh, Christmas season. Merry Christmas! And with those thoughts, let's move on into soundtrack. All right, this uh, song. I guess I'm going to explain more of the background later. Okay. But this song is from a project called The Piano Storybook, um, which has lots of these improvised piano pieces by Snobulbula. That's his screen screen name. And I picked one called The Interrupted Maestro. And it's this guy had sent in this picture to Snobulbula of this corgi at a piano and also this kind of rain stream. He said, I couldn't figure out which one he wanted to send in to inspire the song. One, he felt like he wanted to see this interject song, this corgi's playing on the piano, but also that he has to keep going outside to go to the restroom. (laughs) Um, So, and so... Shinobulbula, how you say it, is uh, he just improvises a song. Look at these pictures. He goes back and forth, and it's it's enjoyable, fun. So have at it. Thank you. 
And we're back. Nice little song there, Nick. Yeah, it wasn't uh, 8-bit this time. No. And I'm being generous in giving you, letting you do a soundtrack that's for uh, our December episode that's not Christmassy. I know. I always <laughs> didn't pick the weird ones. But, but nothing okay. new. That, that's okay. It was still pleasant to listen to. And you said there is an actual reason... Like yes. A deeper reason behind picking that? Yes, and we'll tackle that soon here. Okay, sounds good. Uh, meanwhile, though, you know, Nick, I'm feeling kind of nostalgic. It's been a little while now, but remember, we had some interesting Christmases um, during our, rel- our adventures in the realms of derailed thoughts. It was interesting. Some yeah. were better than others. Some of them were. It, if- was a, it was kind of a rough one. Yeah. Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, go check out episode 100. We were stuck in this strange world. Pocket universe. Pocket universe. Thankfully, we spent years there, but thankfully we got back. It was kind of like Narnia time. You know, we got back and hadn't been any time passed. But we had a lot of adventures there. Yeah. And some interesting Christmas experiences. Yes. You want to share one of those? Yeah, I got. I kept my journals. The podcast let me bring them back. So excellent. So it's time for another journals from the realm of derailed thoughts. Today started as so many days have lately, but it wasn't an ordinary day. Today was special. It began in cold and snow and darkness. Tim and I stumbled in the grave early morning, taking down our tents and nibbling the last bits of Lembus the Frost Elves had given us. I've written it before and I'll write it again. The mornings are the worst. I don't want to get out of my sleeping bag and know they're only miles and hours ahead of us before we reach the glass sea. One step at a time. That's what I keep telling myself. One day at a time. But there is a certain beauty in the mornings. The air is clear and crisp. I feel like I can see for miles and miles. This morning, I look back. Our footsteps follow us across the windless plains. Behind us, I thought I saw a speck. It was too dark to be sure and too far away, but I stared. I pointed out to Tim. He thought he saw it too. It could have been anything in this land, but we both know who it was following us. Two-bit Charlie, the debt hunter. We forget to pay one night at one inn, and now we have a price on our heads. There was nothing to do about it, so we began to march across these barren plains. Tim hummed a little bit of Terra. It seemed appropriate and lightened the mood. There's nothing to look at while you walk. Once saw a hawk far overhead, but that was the only sign of life I saw. The sun along the horizon moved in the pale sky. We stopped long enough to eat a small lunch and started again. The speck behind us didn't seem any closer, but it was hard to tell. We set up the tents as the sun hovered in front of us. It won't set tonight. Tim started the fire and we sat, munching some oliphant jerky. We hadn't talked much. There wasn't much to say. Tim's been keeping track of the days. I sort of lost the sense of weeks and months a while ago. He mentioned that back home, he thought it was probably Christmas. I really wasn't sure how to feel about that. I sort of laughed, I guess. I mean, we're basically at the North Pole. Anyways, it got into our head to sing a few Christmas carols. I'm not much of a singer, but it was really nice singing those old familiar songs. They seemed more real, I think, because I'd been away for so long. Joy of the World and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I didn't get all the words right, I don't think. But I got the sense better than usual. It was when we stopped singing we heard the sound. Movement on snow and ice. Two-bit Charlie had caught up with us. We sat there waiting for him. I mean, what else were we going to do? Run? And we felt at peace anyways after the singing. I had a Bible I picked up at the Endless Library, so I opened to Luke and began reading out loud. The noise stopped as I continued. I could feel Two-bit Charlie's presence behind me. Tim kept looking at him and then at me, but he nodded slightly, so I kept going. Telling him Elizabeth and Zechariah and Gabriel and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and Jesus. I closed the book slowly after I ended, feeling kind of vulnerable. 
Tim greeted Two-Bit Charlie cheerily then. I turned around and acted surprised to see him. He looked over us with his one good eye. Then he came and sat down by the fire between us, and he started talking. He told us he had a brother, and they remembered going door-to-door with him singing carols when they were kids. They were poor, and they were happy. His brother was a government accountant now, and he hadn't seen him in four or five years. Then he smiled rather secretly, I thought, and said half to himself, When a cold wind blows, it chills you. It chills you to the bone. Then he stood up and said he was on a holiday break, and that if he happened to come across any debtors, he'd be unable to deal with them for the next few days. He suddenly went off a little way to set up his own tent. Tim and I were rather perplexed by the whole thing. If we weren't dead set on getting home as soon as possible, we might have turned ourselves in. Instead, we sang a few more songs. I'm pretty sure a third voice joined us. We finished up with, We wish you a Merry Christmas and, For he's a jolly good fellow. (sighs) But now I'm tired, and we still have at least three days until we reach the glass sea. But it doesn't seem that far away anymore. Those mornings are still awful, though. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a strange time in our lives. It was. Too bit Charlie ended up being not that bad though. Not not too bad. Did uh, you hear? He actually got he saw his brother a little later after that. Oh, that's nice yeah. to hear. That's cool. Uh, mainly in debtor's court, but mm, well, okay. Uh, <clears throat> hope that all turned out okay. Yeah, well, I, I haven't heard. We'll have to go back someday and check. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Man, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> as long as we avoid Ithaca, we should be okay. Yes. With that, let's move on to. It's came from the interwebs. Actually, probably interwebs shouldn't be quite so uh, scary today because we're actually... It came from the interwebs. (laughs) It's Christmas time. So, and we thought, you know, there's a lot of creativity on the internet. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Since that's what we're all about today, we're going to share some of that with you. Some interesting things that, you know, the great thing about internet stuff is, yeah, it's a lot easier to just share fun projects that people are working on, putting out there. My main problem was that, like, most of the important stuff I've already shared on the podcast. <laughs> true, true. But I had some that I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing's really neat, or I hadn't talked about that. So. Okay. Well, and I, I looked up something that's uh, particularly festive-themed, um, but let's let's hear what you have first. So I want to reference back to this piano storybook project that ah. I play the music from. Herein lies our answers. Folks. Yes, here it comes. So I am fascinated, if you don't know, with, well, so Shnubulba, however you say his name, just call him Sam. Sam. Sam and the weird last. Yes, Sam. Sam. Play it again, Sam. (laughs) Um, But he had a Kickstarter, I don't know, a number of years back, where he wanted people to send in pictures, and then he would make a hundred different piano pieces. I feel like we featured another one of these at one time, the uh, Darth Vader Saves the Ocean. That was a precursor to this whole thing, I believe. Oh, that was a different project. Different. Or that was just for fun. I think that was outside of this project. Okay. I think. Okay. But he does a lot of request and that sort of stuff but what fascinates me is several things one the fact that this man can play piano like he he improvised all hundred of these songs based on pictures which is nuts for me i'm like yeah two i'm fascinated with the number 100 as a creative thing <laughs> and so just the idea that on the on the youtubes you can find this 100 i think there's technically 102 of these songs that he just you can watch him play and he'll show the pictures it's based on there used to be a website that's defunct at this point, but if you go to Bandcamp, you can also download the different albums. He's arranged them kind of by theme. Okay. And they're just name your price. I think he has all the crazy stuff. But I'm just 
perpetually, I don't, I haven't listened to all of them. I continually come back to it just because it's such an interesting idea and such a generous project. You just like, there's all this music, just too much music just given out there. I don't think the Kickstarter was even that expensive. I think it was like, you know, pay 20 bucks, get in the uh-huh. thing sort of. Well, I mean, and I imagine that is very hard, you know, talk about uh, an artist being self-conscious of their own worth. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, I mean, a hundred pieces, that's a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of those that he's like, eh, that one was, was that not great. I, I yeah. would have just as soon bury that one, but he did it for this project. So there it is. And apparently there's a whole Kickstarter thing going along called Make 100, where they were just highlighting people who were making a hundred of something. Okay. And I don't know of any other ones, but. Interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Like a hundred fan art Fan art things, 100 flash fiction. I don't know. I mean, that's what I would have done. I mean, I've always wanted to kind of just be like, okay, this year I'm going to write 100 of them. Everyone give me an idea. I think that'd be, I think that'd be a blast if I had the time to do all, I mean, I have sure. to write one every three days. Yeah, that would be an uh, investment. Yeah. How many ha- are you up to on your website now? 148, I believe. And that's over the course of like five years. years. Yeah, yeah, several years. Um, And I have 149 half done. But so give us one of yours, Tim. Okay. Well, really, I just have one. So okay, um, I got but, three small ones. So okay, cool. Well, I thought it'd be fun to look up what are some interesting internet Christmas things Aww. that are out there. One thing that Google led me to was I don't know if you call it a trend because I only found a couple people who have done this, but the fact that there have been multiple people I find very interesting. And this trend is setting up your Christmas lights with webcams. And letting the internet control what lights are on oh, that's and what cool. lights are off. So if you go to, right now, the one website that's where this is running is mkelights.com. And uh, they've got two web cameras set up. And then, Nick, if you want to explore this a little okay, bit. Okay, so we can turn the upper icicles on and off, the deer, some garlands, front bushes, Santa Claus. Let's try, let's turn Santa Claus on. And there'll be a bit of a delay. Actually, I think Santa Claus... Where is he already on? Where is Santa Claus? He might already be on right now. He's okay. one of those like little figurines that are in the lawn. Oh, oh no. no he just turned on. He turned it on. And this is... So this is some guy's house up in Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> That's that, so awesome. That you can control the lights. So there's icicles, you know, on the so, roof. And, so I could log on on a different, like, somewhere else and turn it off. And you can turn it on and you can just wrestle. <laughs> I guess, yeah. If someone else wants to... Like, no, I want that one off. And it's like, no, I want that one on. Yeah, you can just kind of keep going back and forth. And I guess there's he does like a Christmas light show. I'm guessing like one of those where the uh, the lights go to the music, that sort of thing. But apparently this is not the first guy who's done this. I guess there was a guy up in Alaska who did it for a while. There was someone in Ohio, according to another news website. Not surprisingly, apparently they don't continue to do the this sort of thing over long term. Like if you go to their websites, they're kind of... Oh, I turned the trees they're, on. They're down. Probably because having the internet control your Christmas lights sounds a bit like a nightmare to me, but... <laughs> but it's kind of cool. I mean... Depend, depending on how often they're like strobing the lights at your house. <laughs> but again, just one of those things that people are so creative. Like they're like, hey, have lights. Come mess with them. Uh-huh. And that's cool. Uh-huh. We used to have outside near my house over by the lake, a guy who would set up this elves workshop in his garage. And it was all... Um, they're all cardboard cutouts that would move. Okay. And there's like, there's this constant movement, fakes thing. They, for years, we'd just drive up and watch it. It was amazing. He just 
did it because he wanted to, I think. Yeah, it's fun, the sort of like elaborate displays people will put up at Christmas. And that's not cheap. No. In terms of like electricity that they're running through to run all those lights. Yeah, that's a big production. So We could could help them turn all their lights off. I suppose you could, except that wouldn't be very festive. No, let's turn off. Let's turn off the... Mm, yeah, when I was playing with it earlier, it's like I think all the little figurines in the yard are kind of kind of cheesy, so we'll just turn those off. <laughs> and there's always there's a bit of a delayed gratification there because like it'll be like you'll click something and it'll be about I don't know, ten seconds, fifteen. And those things I just turned off myself already been turned off. Oh, because you'd so. have to go around and see where you figure out where everything is first. And yeah, then. yeah, that, that was that's certainly part of it. That's cool. Yeah, if you would like to. Uh, have the internet control your house light setup. There's a website called itwinkle.org. Oh. Uh, that I guess has some how to's that show you how to do it. The person who designed it, I don't think, does it themselves anymore, according to the website. But one other place I should show you one of the defunct sites, komar.org slash, I'll put a link in the show notes. So this is one of the other guys that did controllable Christmas lights for a while. He doesn't anymore, but. Check out this website, Nick. Oh, that is old school. Yeah, move the mouse around. That is... <laughs> it's a mouse that's got like... It's like GeoCities. <laughs> it's, it's got like a, a sneaking Santa and a falling Homer light. And then you can inflate thing. and deflate stuff? That like follows the mouse around. It looks very... um. Yeah. Again, oh, I, I don't think the site wor- is running anymore. This one looks like it was even more extravagant. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. A lot more like things apparently like inflatables and deflatables. D- he had a Hulk. <laughs> That's awesome. You can say, don't make him angry. Hmm. And Gurr, apparently he just blew up or something. That's yeah. fabulous. Yeah, oh, that man, I wish that was still... Still a thing. Yeah. yeah. It looks like he stopped back in like 2014 or something like that. But anyway, it's a fun website because it definitely looks like a relic from the 90s or early 2000s. Yeah, it's it. That's fun, so. man. I wish that existed. <laughs> All right, Nick. What else? What else? Do you okay, have this one's kind of mainstream, and I. Well, okay. So I've always loved Legos, right? Mm-hmm. And so at some point, I stumbled across, and you know, if you're a Lego fan, maybe you already knew this, and I'm just late to the game. But Lego has an idea site. Okay. People build things that they would like to make into official things and some of their projects are amazing i mean i just scroll through it i'm like what is this stuff and they have contests like i got into this because while i was looking for something to do i think maybe it will quarantine or something mm-hmm. and like they have every two weeks this con just kind of a like hey do this and so we all like make a cake so Randy and fio and i we all just try to make cakes out of legos and took pic- we didn't take pictures but you can and just upload and some of the things people come up with i mean it's it's impressive have you played hero quest with me um that board game i've Yes, yes. I had to think about which one that was. Apparently, someone made a submitted a Lego version of it, oh, which would fun. be fabulous. But I mean, they got these nice. I mean, you go to the website, you can see all kinds of stuff that they've made. Yeah, Karate Kid, and these are things that are they're still waiting for people to. If they get enough fans, they'll consider it and they'll keep uh-huh. doing it. I think they actually did finally. I, I have heard of this in part because I know uh, some of the Muppet fan sites were promoting this one. Like, the Sesame Street just came out. Yeah, the Sesame Street one just got a yeah, mm-hmm. got, it was approved and just came out not too long ago. For so your, yeah, you can buy an actual Sesame Street Lego set. For your Animal Crossing people, there's some like Nooks shop uh-huh. they're trying to get done. I mean, okay. but they're just dozens, and some of these are just gorgeous. And, like, I've been, our library has some Legos you can rent, some of the architecture ones that are super fancy. Mm-hmm. 
one of the original idea ones, which is this storybook. It's an actual book, and when it opens up, out pops a little, like, pop-up story. Like, either it's... Pop-up Legos? Well, you make this book out of Legos. Okay. And inside, you have this other thing, Lego, that is designed so that when you fold the book close, it folds up. Oh, wow. And there's there's two different insides you can make. One is, I think, is... um. Red Riding Hood, so there's a little cabin and wolf and stuff. But the uh-huh. other one's Jack and the Beanstalk. You open up and this giant beanstalk comes up. Oh, that's cool. It would. It, I mean, there's some some people. People are very creative. I'm just perpetually again my theme of the evening, fascinated with people's creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Lego side, I'm just everyone's just poke around and be like, man, I wish that would be made, or I wish that would be made, or <laughs> it's like the same. There's people will purposely take sets and make new designs with the same pieces. Like, here's a alternate build. That's what they call it. Oh, okay. So there's whole things like, you could buy the Millennium Falcon, but here's what you could also make with all the same pieces. Mm. And it's kinda, something crazy. Kind of like when, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember when you used to buy a Lego set, they'd also show you like, on the back of the instruction yeah. book, some other like interesting, like different, completely same pieces, but other yeah. interesting. And so fans do it. this with various things, yeah, you know, okay. and it's, it's fascinating to see what, man, I mean. That's cool. I was never quite that creative with Legos. I'm not either, but I'm glad other people are. Yeah. <laughs> and I could see if you mess around long enough, you could really get into the... You just need enough of different types of pieces. Sure. And some time. Sure. <laughs> well, our friend uh, Myrick, he tends to use Legos to like recreate historical Oh, and, and he like does that. a great job with it, too. I've always... That's one of those things that I had a limited amount of time that I could see myself spending time getting good at. I imagine it'd be an investment, though. The, the Legos are expensive. Maybe they last yeah. forever, but they're expensive. That's true. That's true. Okay, did you have anything else? Oh, I can share one more if we have more time. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, this again, Tim, you have to tell me if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. I think I've mentioned it, but I don't know if I ever did the whole thing. So back when I was a teenager, especially at Little Professor Books... There was this series of choose your own adventure books called Lone Wolf. I'm sure I brought this up at some point. Almost I don't know. certainly, <laughs> uh, at least with you. Um, and it's like 20 books long. And the idea, if you don't remember, listeners, is these were choose your own adventure books, but you could create your character and you could have certain, you had a list of skills. You can pick like three of them and you could encounter people and you could carry and have, there was a, ra- a random number generator in the back, like a generator, like a graph. And you would have to close your eyes and put your pencil down. Um, and that's how much you hurt your bad guy, and then they would hurt you. And so it's like a, a choose an adventure video game book, which for my like twelve year old self was like the coolest thing on the planet. <laughs> but anyway, so the author, I think, or whatever, the whole thing is now just free. Oh, you can download them, and people have made software so that you can read it, and then it'll automatically do all the random stuff for you. Okay, and it builds characters from book to book. So it's at Project Aon A O N dot org. So if you have any interest, I mean, there's all the 20-plus books are here. You can read it straight. You can program that so you'll do all the rolling and stuff for you. Um, but on when I was in quarantine for, what, a couple weeks ago when uh, I had COVID. Briefly. Briefly, for like two days. I did this with the kids a little bit. We just went through it, and we played it, and it was fun. It's, it's a very distinct style of storytelling that's somewhere between video game and book and even choose your own adventure is a whole different kind of level it's like it's the closest you can get to interactive fiction without a computer okay so i i think it's cool that's neat and that's really cool that you made it available for free yeah i mean yeah why not why not yeah i mean then people can just enjoy it and do what they want with it and they've done lots of different stuff with it 
That's cool. So there's a whole community around. I, it, I think so. I've not gone deep into it, but there's certainly lots of resources on there. And I know there's like a discussion board. I don't know how active it is at this point, mm-hmm. but it's a good. And there's just so much of that. Old stuff that people are like, here, have it for free now, yeah, yeah. which just makes me happy. Well, actually, yeah, the um, this is a bit of a, a tease for my soundtrack later on, is, which is based off, uh, it's a remix from a MS-DOS game, a game that was actually shareware. Okay. So it's when and I was back looking, in the I was, day. I was looking up because I was curious about it, and yeah, you can actually play it on the online. That's there, awesome. I, I found a link to a site where you could actually play. It, well, I know on the fiftieth thing. On the fiftieth, we play those old arcade games that are all free on the internet now. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah, shareware was an interesting thing. So I thought of one uh, one last thing. Yes. It'd be fun to share, just to kind of go out with something out there. Yes. Hey, we'll do it. It's interwebs. Yes, indeed. Just to wrap up interwebs, let's go to a YouTube video. Oh, it's good. I don't know. I think this is an excerpt from another music video. Maybe I don't really know, but it, it stands well enough on its own. Whatever this is. So here we go. <laughs> We got a lady who's whistling on a rock in the desert. Yeah, I'm not seeing this. <laughs> we got a, a Cow- uh, oh. cowboy screaming. screaming. <laughs> yeah, you really got to see this to believe it, guys. Uh, it's the cowboy over like western vistas. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a ghost. <laughs> it's like the, the giant cowboy over these western vistas just That's amazing. screaming the song. I don't know what it is, but I think it's an excerpt from something else, but I kind of don't want to know the bigger context of it because it's just it's kind of amazing in and of itself. It's, yeah, that's that's something that I I enjoy that. I might have to file that one away. <laughs> I thought about saving that for uh another purpose i have in mind for it but anyway <laughs> that's 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 just a special that's a special internet it's, video it's a way for us to and again the internet is full of stuff to share with each other <laughs> yep weird stuff and and fun and heartwarming stuff and heartwarming stuff so people give the internet a hard rap a bad rap for a lot of stuff that happens on it but it is quite the compendium of creativity as well that's true if used appropriately yes but i think that's i think that's all we got nick we're gonna wrap up with a soundtrack here, and wow, it looks like the residents of Sombertown are actually um, not that somber. Yeah, they're really excited about something. I think they finally kicked the leader out or something, and uh, they're getting into the spirit. I like this. All right, I'm not sure who who was busy working and doing all this while we were recording the podcast, but it's starting to feel a little bit like Christmas. It is. It is indeed. So, Nick, why don't you share with our listeners where they can find more of our podcast? You can find us at derailedtrainsofthought.blog.spot.com and at all places you get podcasts such as Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or I guess technically, and Google Google Podcasts now. We are on. Oh, so it's Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Well, or now. whatever their new podcast thing is. We're they, there. They, they changed it from Stitcher? or is I that... think Stitcher exists, but I think Google has its own oh. thing now, and we're there. Oh, okay. Yes. This shows how much we know about androids and things yeah exactly but cool i'm glad we are available wherever you listen to podcasts and you can you follow us on facebook please do Mm -hmm. uh twitter please do there was a poll up 
Yes. Um, for the last episode, we should. I don't know how we do something like that for this one, but no, we're as we're recording that poll is still fresh, so we'll have to report on who won challenge accepted next time. We were recording very quickly after uh, releasing the last episode, <laughs> but yes, if you hadn't listened to the challenge accepted in the last episode. Be sure to check it out. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And then also email us at derailtrains at gmail.com. Awesome. My soundtrack today is a remix from the game. Hold on to your horses, Nick. Yes, I'm holding on to both my horses. The game, Jazz Jackrabbit Holiday Hair 1995. Nice. Which is apparently, this is why I had to look this game up, because like I didn't realize this series was so big. It had to have the year in its <laughs> title. But anyway, it's a shareware game. I guess I remember shareware. It was great. And apparently, like the holiday here were like bonus levels that they added to the basic Jazz Jackrabbit. Okay. Anyway, the name of this remix is called Green Rabbit Dreams. It is by Luke Jansen, and it kind of mixes in some music from uh, this game with Carol the Bells, and it's just kind of nice. One of the judges said it sounded kind of like Mannheim Steamroller, which I can totally see. It's a nice fusion pop Christmas kind of sound. So I hope you enjoy, and thank you for Luke Jansen for sharing it with us. All right. Well, you ready to head out, Nick? Let's head out. Let's hop on those horses of yours and uh, head home for Christmas. Sounds good. All right, guys, have a good holiday. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.